We're on episode 23 of Lifelong. Thank you for being here as always. I'm your host, Heidi Coombe-John. I'm passionate about low toxic living and longevity, and my certification is in holistic health and nutrition. You can follow me at Holistic with Heidi on Instagram, and also be sure that you're following at lifelong underscore pod on Instagram. Show us some love, send a message if you have any questions. Also, if you have any feedback or recommendations on who to bring on the podcast, I always love hearing from you all. So definitely be sure to reach out. Today, we're going to be chatting about the brain and brain health. So I'm thrilled to be bringing on Dr. Julie Fradentoni, who's a cognitive neuroscientist at the Center for Brain Health at UT Dallas. She also happens to be very passionate about low toxic living, and we definitely aligned on that and we align on so many different things. But her work at UT Dallas is focusing on leveraging behavioral science and technology to teach people strategies to improve their brain health and performance. She's passionate about educating others about how the brain works and how to incorporate practical science-backed habits into everyday life to increase overall wellness. Make sure you're following her on Instagram because as I said in this episode to Dr. Julie, she is making neuroscience so accessible and digestible. I also just adore Dr. Julie's energy. She's a yogi. She's into breath work. She's awesome. So with that, help me welcome Dr. Julie Fradentoni. Hey, Dr. Julie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Excited to have you here today to chat about brain health. And I know you have a really unique background in your experience with yoga and breath work and also speech language pathology and neuroscience. You have this very eclectic background. Can you familiarize everyone with your background and just kind of share your story? Sure. So I started out, my my window into the brain was really through speech pathology. Um, and if you're not familiar with what that is, basically we look at language, communication, speech, and even swallowing. Um, and so I was particularly interested in the medical aspect of that, um, working with patients who had had a brain injury or a stroke and had to rehab that. And particularly with brain injury, working with the aspect of cognition and executive functions, which are things like judgment, organization, planning, problem solving these higher order thinking skills that your frontal lobe is responsible for. So that got me really interested in neuro. And then I decided to pursue a PhD because um, I just wanted to understand better. I think there's just so much that we don't know. And especially in the case of injury or disease when something happens. So I really wanted to understand the brain better, um, just how, how does it work? And especially things like language that are so complex um, and those executive functions. Um, so that really was kind of what got me into it. And then while I was doing my PhD, I um, was really fortunate to be at the Center for Brain Health at the University of Texas at Dallas. And they just have a unique um type of cognitive training that focuses on those frontal lobe functions. Uh, it's called SMART. 
But anyway, that was when I fell in love with this idea of high performance. And so got to work with a lot of corporate executives, athletes, um, veterans, and um, doing this training of really teaching people what are strategies for how to use my brain better, how to be more productive and efficient, how to um, process information, reduce stress, things like that. So that was kind of when I was like, oh, wow, this is... Um, you know, really taking the science of how your brain works and then just applying it to make life better. And that was so appealing to me. And it was also (laughs) this crossover from, you know, working with very clinical populations of disorder and disease to then realizing the majority of people are healthy, right? (laughs) For Mm -hmm. the most part. And, um, And the majority of people don't have this education around their own brain. And so, how crazy is that? And also um, how fun to be a part of getting to help really disseminate that to people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so cool. And I'm glad that I came across you on Instagram because you're someone who's highly educated and you're a neuroscientist and you have like this super eclectic background, but in, in full transparency, a lot of times I maybe am intimidated in a way to talk you know, to scientists or whatever, or come across certain Instagram pages. And it feels like, so like in your face, but your Instagram feed is so approachable and like just your, your essence, like you're very easy to talk to and you're making the information, you're synthesizing it for those that aren't scientists, for the everyday person that just yeah, they're healthy, but they want to improve their brain health. They want to prevent disease and things like that. So what is a smart method? I'm curious. Sure. Um, well, first I just want to say thank you so much. That's the biggest compliment. And it makes me so excited to know, to make science approachable. I think it is really an intimidating topic and it can be extremely complex. And so, um, yeah, I want to just bridge that gap, but, um, But yeah, SMART, so SMART stands for Strategic Memory Advanced Reasoning Training. And it's basically a set of nine strategies. Um, And for anyone listening that wants to learn them, um, you can actually uh, join the Brain Health Project and it's all online and free. And you can go to thebrainhealthproject.org and... um, and yeah, and you get access to the training is all online. You get to do an assessment called the Brain Health Index and um, learn those strategies. And so, yeah, it's really, it's very practical things. It's things that are um, simple, but not easy to apply in everyday life. So I'll give you an example of one is like um, the brain power of one, just simply not multitasking. And so, you know, it's like, okay, most people don't realize that multitasking is really toxic for your brain health. Um, and so what are some ways, you know, talking through practical things of like, how do you set yourself up for success and, you know, whether you're working from home or working in an office or retired or, you know, whatever stage of life you're in, what does it look like to really hone that, um, to help reduce stress and, and improve efficiency. Hmm, that's so cool. I'm going to check that out. And I'm curious to see like what state I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I will say too, to encourage people that might find that, um, again, intimidating or like, oh no, I don't want to do a brain health index. Like, what are you going to tell me? Or I think there's just still a lot of fear and stigma around the brain. And so that's part of what our mission is at the center for brain health is to really change that conversation. So people feel, um, more empowered and knowing that, Hey, I actually have agency over this. This isn't just like, this is where I'm at. So to give you context, when you get your index score, we're not going to, this is not a Myers-Briggs. This isn't a test where we're going to put you in a box. This is going to just say, here's where you're at. Here's a baseline for where you're at today. And it's going to 
change. Um, we ask you to take it every six months, but knowing that this is a dynamic measure, your brain is constantly changing depending on your season of life, what you're doing, what you're going through. And so this is really just to empower you with that information. Kind of like if you have a Fitbit or an Apple watch or you're tracking things, it's like just a method to track. So it's not saying, you know, you're here. Um, and it also it's you against you. So we're not going to compare you to anybody else, but it's really to see just like, let me know more about myself and understand my strengths and my opportunities. And then, you know, do the training to really, um, work on or strengthen those areas of opportunity. Oh, wow. And is that, that smart training slash the brain health project, is that all out of the center that you're researching at at yes. Dallas? Oh, wow. Center for brain health. Yeah. That's so cool. So what kind of other research is going on there that you can talk about? Oh man, so much. <laughs> um, so our primary distinguisher, I would say, is that we were the first. Um, so our founder and director, Dr. Sandy Chapman, she founded the center in 1999. She got a trademark mm. on the word, the term brain health, because no one was thinking about the brain in that wow. way. Everyone was thinking about just, you know, how do we prove, um, detect disease or, you know, it was never about how to be proactive or how to get ahead or stay healthy. Um, and so that is something that she's really been a, an incredible trailblazer in that sense. Um, and then also really that we're translational. So everything that we're learning, we specialize in creating programs, creating, um, speaking engagements, involving the community, making the science again, accessible to people. Mm -hmm. So um, that's so important. Yes. So, um, so other research that so we have, um, a lot of, I mean, we're part of the university, so we have different professors that have different labs that look at things like, um, that do look at things like disease, um, like multiple sclerosis or, um, looking at addiction, um, from marijuana to, um, food. We have, um, researchers looking at things like reasoning and, um, kind of bias and judgment, uh, decision-making. And then we have Dr. Chapman's lab and research has largely focused on using smart training in a variety of populations. Um, and then looking at that with brain imaging, um, which we're doing now and, um, electrical, uh, electrophysiology, EEG. So there's a lot of different, I mean, there's so much just even technology in terms of things like transcranial stimulation, um, magnetic stimulation, just different, different modalities of modifying the brain or enhancing it or helping repair. Like there was, you know, studies with say veterans that have brain injury, um, you know, pairing things like magnetic stimulation with cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so anyways, there's a very broad spectrum of not only, you know, just learning more about different mechanisms, um, different modalities to really capture those measures of the brain, but then also, um, really kind of looking at it from all angles, which is really neat. And we bring in speakers all the time. We have a speaker series called brain health presents that'll kick off again in the fall. And so we have, um, really the top experts, like September, we're going to have Matt Walker, who, um, he's the, the chief science officer for aura ring and he's written oh, wow. why we sleep and he's like amazing. So it'll be, it's free online. Anyone can oh, attend those. Cool. Letters. I want to oh, attend that. I'm like all into brain health lately. Just I wanna... love so much. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like, um, two other people that I follow and enjoy are Andrew Huberman and then Doc Amen because he he does yeah. a lot of different brain imaging. I'm not familiar familiar, but it's cool that there's like technology coming out and that I mean where you work, you guys are are paving the way with this research, but making it translatable or transferable. I forget 
the word you said, but basically sharing this information with the general public and making it useful versus like, hey, we're doing all this research and it's going to be published online, you know, in these journals that not everyone's reading. So that's super cool. As far as daily practices, when it comes to balancing brain chemistry, what are some things you're implementing or what are different strategies you could recommend to my audience? Absolutely. So there is so much that we can do. We call this your neuropharmacy. You you are in charge of your neuropharmacy, your your own brain chemistry, your neurotransmitters, which are things like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine. Um, And so really kind of like the core things that it's like, oh gosh, this is so basic, right? It's like sleep, movement, um, the foods that you're eating, getting sunlight, um, breathing, right? And so it's like, okay, that's not anything groundbreaking, but those things really do impact your neuropharmacy. So I would say just kind of on a daily basis, I mean, there's kind of your taking care of your, your hardware, right? So like if you're not sleeping or you're not getting your body, the nutrients it needs, um, it's going to be really hard. Your gut health is a huge part of your neuropharmacy. Um, so making sure that you're eating whole real foods, you know, avoiding processed foods, avoiding sugar, limiting alcohol. Um, and then in terms of breathing, I would say is the number one fastest tool to le- to kind wow. of leverage or manipulate your brain chemistry. So when you are even just right now, if you just take a deep breath, if you're listening, just And like you actually instantly feel more calm. And part of that is because there's a part of your brain called the locus ceruleus. So it's a little part kind of deep in the brain stem. It modulates the neurotransmitter called norepinephrine. So norepinephrine, if you have too much of it, that's when you start to feel anxious. Um, if you have too little is when you're sort of not alert, maybe kind of when you're first waking up drowsy and there's a sweet spot for it. Mm. So when you breathe, your locus ceruleus actually determines how much norepinephrine to produce based on how much carbon dioxide is in your blood. So when you take a breath, you're reoxygenating your blood, you're modulating those levels. And then that part of your brain knows, okay, this is how much norepinephrine to produce. So it helps you be that kind of more alert, calm rather mm. than, um, you know, an anxious <laughs> alert or, <laughs> um, or, or kind of not able to focus. So, um, so yeah, so just in real time, taking a few slow breaths, is going to help regulate that, um, literally regulate your brain chemistry in real time. Yeah. Breath work is super powerful. I was doing breath work when I was in the thick of my mold illness undiagnosed. And it was one of those things that really just like brought me so much relief and so much peace and just comfort. And the fact that it doesn't even have to be such a regimented thing where it's like, okay, I need to do my breath work practice every single day. Like that's great. But also in moments where you're, you know, on an airplane or you're having a stressful conversation or something triggers you, it's like, wait, pause. Let me take a breath. Let me use my breath in, in certain ways. Cause there are different, and this is what I heard from Dr. Huberman, and maybe you can speak on this. There are different breathing strategies that kind of produce different uh, reactions in the body or end results. Like I heard something about doing a like 
double inhalation and then a long exhale. I don't know, but yeah. So I can explain a little bit um, behind that and then we can talk about some specific different ones that you can do. Yeah. So um, basically your breath is also tied to your vagus nerve and then mm. there's a balance between your sympathetic and parasympathetic system. So for those of you listening that may not be familiar, um, sympathetic system has nothing to do with sympathy or empathy. <laughs> uh, it's really just sympathetic is kind of gets the bad rap as your fight or flight, but really it's about being alert um, and focused. And then parasympathetic is the rest and digest sometimes called that, or um, really that's your calm, relaxed state. And you need a balance between the two, right? You need in the morning to wake up and have that energy. It's sympathetic, right. Or to exercise or to perform your best. Um, Mm -hmm. but then when you're digesting your food or getting ready for bed, you need parasympathetic. So, um, when you're breathing, your inhale increases your heart rate because it's trying to pump out that oxygenated blood and your exhale slows down, um, because it's, you're breathing out, um, So that's your balance between the two. So it's kind of like your inhale is the gas, your exhale is the brakes. So anytime um, you're trying to relax or calm down, a shorter inhale with a longer exhale is going to activate more of that parasympathetic rest state. Whereas the other way around, if you need to focus and be alert, then you can do a longer inhale and a shorter exhale. So Huberman talks about the physiological sigh. And so that is, it's two quick inhales long exhale. And so again, that's short on the inhale for the sympathetic. And then that longer exhale helps get you into that parasympathetic, um, more relaxed state. So that's an immediate kind of stress relief. Um, you can also do that, a type of breathing called four, seven, eight, that helps prepare you for sleep before bed. So it's inhale for four, hold the inhale for seven, exhale for eight. Um, and then if you want just more of a, I think just kind of an even focused, you can do an even inhale for four, exhale for four, um, or box breathing where you hold in between. Mm, Yes. I know box breathing. That one is a good visual as well, or like tracing the palm, you know, like inhale, hold, exhale. (laughs) Thank you for explaining all of those. Um, I want to talk some more about productivity and focus. That's something a lot of people are reaching out to me on, like, Hey, how are you, you know, what are holistic ways you're boosting your productivity and focus? And, you know, there's only so much I can offer. I'm not a neuroscientist. What is your perspective? What are some tips as far as like narrowing in on that productivity and focus, like go as micro as you can. So a lot of your ability to focus, not only does it have to do with your brain chemistry, but it has to do with um, your hardware, like your sleep. So if you didn't sleep and again, you, you don't have kind of the things that you need, it's going to be very hard to be awake and alert, right? The things we need to pay attention. So the brain that you have is the brain that you've built based on how you've used it every day. And so that's the good news about that is that you can change it. So I think taking, uh, taking note of, okay, how often am I distracted? How often am I interrupted by an email ping or am I checking my phone or is there, I'm, you know, I didn't even get an alert, but I'm going to go check social media. So we've built this constant toggling between things and not allowing ourselves to get into deeper focus. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's very agitating. And then we're stressed because we're not getting things done. And then that (laughs) further agitates the brain. So, um, so to understand that 
we can retrain that. And so you have to start small, but you also have to set yourself up for success. So some of the top tips that I would say are, um, when you, so it's not, you're not going to be in that, um, you know, hyper-focused state for eight hours a day, right? That's not possible. So it's like taking, you know, if you've heard of the Pomodoro method of doing 20 minutes, Mm, um, we recommend, okay. So the Pomodoro method is, um, it's like just using timers. And so it's like 20 minutes of work and then a five minute break. Um, other research would suggest that to get into that really deep flow state, um, anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes is a good chunk of like, I'm going to really work, you know, set that aside. We tend to recommend what's most doable for people throughout their day is carving out, we say 45 minutes, um, just because that's what most people have that they can protect that time. Uh So And then part of it is also being strategic about what am I going to focus on? So knowing (laughs) I have that 45 minutes, what is it that is most important for me to do? So you're not spending your time kind of wasting your mental effort on these things that aren't going to really push you forward. So Mm -hmm. the first step before you even focus is identifying what is it that I'm going to work on. Then once you get into that zone, it's saying, okay, I'm shutting off, like I'm closing the applications or turning off the notifications. I'm shutting the door or putting on headphones or doing, you know, alerting people that I'm unavailable um, and setting that expectation in that pattern of knowing, Hey, I am going to be unavailable for this hour every day or whatever time that is. And then just people know, you know, I'll respond to you after that hour, whatever that looks like, um, however you decide to do that. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so really kind of setting up your environment to help with that. Like, and even for me, it's, it's small things like it's closing all the other windows, like, you know, on um, at least on a Mac where you can use the setting where it takes up the full screen. So you're not right. By other things, it's closing the other tabs, um, and then really allowing yourself to do the work. And I think um, a fun exercise is, you know, when you first sit down to start doing this, and it's starting small, right? So maybe it's like I'm going to do this for five minutes, right? And then you sort of just start and you get into it, and you're like, then you keep going. Sometimes starting is half the battle, <laughs> um, but. Um, start something and to start building awareness in the beginning, just make a tally every time you get distracted, um, whether it was an interruption of like someone knocked on your door or you were like, Oh, I need to go, right. I need to go, you know, check the mail or I need to go. I don't know. It's like, I need to go do this thing. Um, and just write it down and just have that notepad there. And then notice like, wow, how many times within this 10 minute span did I break my focus? And then it just helps you. It makes you actually because you're aware of it, then you can actually stay more focused. Um, oh, so those are just wow. kind of practical things that like kind of, as you're starting to build that muscle and, and also know that it is a muscle and it is going to be hard. So you are going to have to work hard, just like trying a new exercise at the gym. Um, so saying, okay, today I'm going to start. And for five minutes, I'm going to work on this. And then the most important part is, um, is celebrating. So we build habits by feeling good. Um, it's, it's emotion that makes us want to do that again. So not by feeling bad and like shaming ourselves or beating ourselves up because we didn't focus and we got distracted. So when you are able to focus for that five minutes, like celebrate. And it's like, yes, like (laughs) give yourself a little, um, you know, smile, feel good. And, and, and like soak that in for a minute, let your, let your brain absorb, um, those neurotransmitters and those, Uh those feelings. And then it's like, Oh, that felt good. I want to do that again. And then that helps your system produce that. Um, so yeah, so making sure that you are pausing, not only to celebrate, to help kind of reinforce that habit, but also when we learn and work and think, um, and are doing that deeper thinking for the neuroplasticity to occur for that positive brain change to happen, you have to rest. So that's why, um, 
So if you're going to do 60 to 90 minutes of work, taking 20 minutes of rest, um, Huberman would say non-sleep, uh, deep rest, which would be something <laughs> like breathing or just kind of meditating, um, or just sitting or just taking a walk around the building, but physically taking a break is really important. So I think that's an under, um, underappreciated or underestimated, uh, thing is really scheduling in those breaks so that you have them. And then you're, you're quickly able to recharge so that you can then refocus again. I think what really drains people and feels like burnout is when it's like all day long, I'm just constantly distracted, not getting anything done, not ever fully working and not ever fully taking a break. And so when you just stay in that state, it's very stressful. Mm, Yeah, totally. I feel like our society too, like, or just like the work culture here in the U S is so toxic in a way, especially when I was in my corporate job, like working in the office and being in such like a traditional, you know, corporate business position. And you're just expected to sit there all day, expected to just like, and this is across the board, you know, and I know it's, it's, it's changing, but you're looked at as maybe not productive if you're getting up for multiple times a day, taking 20 minute walks, but you're probably doing better work than the person that doesn't move their body all day long. And like when I was in the office every day, I had to walk at lunch. It was like, I have to, like, otherwise I literally, like my brain feels like it doesn't work after lunch. Um, and then as far as like the celebrating, I want to share something that I do. And I didn't even realize it was celebrating, but after I, I like to time block my schedule, which I think sounds like it's in alignment with what you're discussing as well. Cause you know, you need to like figure out what you're actually going to spend your 45 minutes focusing on. For me, it really helps like knowing what, what days I do my podcast and what days I do like work with my clients one-on-one and what time of day and days I'm creating content. Like there's so many different balls in the air, especially, you know, being a business owner and you can get so overwhelmed and the burnout does come really easy if you don't have like an organized system or routine. But as far as celebrating after I get through one big task, I like to go on my balcony and just like get some sun or even if it's not sunny, cause let's be real in the Midwest, it's not always sunny and great. Like still just getting fresh air is like heaven to me. Mm. And I didn't, I got to realize it was like a celebration in a way. It's more of like, Hey, this is my refuel, like fresh air and sun and moving my body just like charges me to be able to do another 45 minutes or however many minutes I do. But yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's so great. I mean, yeah, not only is it, I mean, it's a reward. It's like, you really, you have to reward yourself for that and, and, and recharge and replenish. So that's (laughs) lovely. Yeah. Um, I know you're into low toxic living. We chatted about that last time we spoke as far as low toxic living, what are some of your favorite I guess, lifestyle tips. It can, you know, it can be about brain health. It can be some of your favorite products, like just low toxic living. Um, yes, I feel like 
we are so in alignment on all of this. So it's probably <laughs> a lot of things that you have talked about already on previous episodes. But I want to hear what you're into like share. into. Um, so yeah, I would say, I mean, my top recommendations for anyone is, um, air filter and water filter. Like when I bought my town home, those were the first two things I bought. I bought an air doctor and I got a whole home water filtration system and reverse osmosis for my kitchen. And I'm obsessed. So, um, yeah, having clean air and water is like, those are the things that we absolutely can't live without. So it's like, if you invest in anything, those are the things I would recommend first. And that, you know, people don't realize you, they know that, okay, my body is whatever percent water, but your brain is 75% water. And so mm. having good, clean, good quality water, um, is, is crucial. And you can't, you know, dehydration can mimic all these different brain disorders, or just even we're talking about focus, like dehydration can severely impact productivity and focus. So just having good water is great or just water in general mm-hmm. you know, yeah. is probably big step for people. Right. Um, yeah, those are my two biggest ones. And then it's just like, I would say makeup is a big one for women. Um, mm-hmm. Even like just if you can switch out like your lip product, it's like, man, I remember, I think it was in college or something when I learned that, you know, women eat like 40 pounds of lipstick because it's just like on your mouth and you just mm. eat it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. And then it was like, yeah, why would I want to just like straight up eat chemicals? And so I always was oh. a big fan of like, like, yeah, just a cleaner or like they called it at the time edible because clean products weren't a big thing yet. Yeah. Um, lip products. So yeah, I think I'm a big fan of, um, just any, like all the skincare and all that stuff. I make a lot mm-hmm. of my own like face wash and stuff. I'm oh, just, how do you do that? <laughs> With like um, honey use, or. So yeah, like Dr. Bronner's, I'll just use that and dilute it with, um, honey. And I think my body wash has honey, some, a little vitamin E and, um, and then like some type of oil. So either like almond oil, olive oil, or you can use whatever you want. Um, so wow. just really simple. And oh, it's wow. just, I think my, um, my mantra is like less is better. So less ingredients mm-hmm. in the products, but then also just less products overall. And I think it was really eye opening to realize that, wow, like a lot, of, like you don't need a different like hand soap, face soap, body soap. Like it's just mm-hmm. like, those are all mm-hmm. marketing things to like have more right. products. Like you can just, the one is sufficient and it's, um, not going to strip your skin of these things and put all, um, these expose you to all these toxins. So it's just mm-hmm. like the less things in, and then that also contributes to just a simpler life with less things. And that also helps the brain, I think, to just like, just simplify. <laughs> yeah, I know it's wild. How many chemicals, especially a woman is exposed to on average daily. It's like 168. I've seen two different studies. One says 168 and another one says like 355. So a lot of chemicals, hundreds of chemicals. And yeah, the, as far as like the simplifying products, I am assuming you're a branch basics fan. Oh yeah. Because they, (laughs) yeah, like they really opened my eyes to just simplifying cleaning products. It's like when you open, you know, your cleaning cabinet, whether that's like under the sink or in your hall closet or whatever, why, you know, you think to yourself, it's like, wait, why do I have like 15 different random things? And you can literally smell it as you open the door, even though they're all sealed. And you don't think about like what this is doing to your indoor air quality. Even if you have an air purifier and you're opening your windows, you still have like this, this toxic 
like multiple, just like toxic chemicals. And they're just chemicals. Like they're literally made to be chemicals. Um, and branch basics is so cool because it's like, you can literally clean your bathroom, clean your dog, wash your face, (laughs) clean pots and pans that are like gunky and gross, clean your shoes. I do, um, clean, like I have a lot of white sneakers as is my boyfriend and I'll fill up our tub with our, um, filtered water from the shower head <laughs> and then add in a little branch basics concentrate and like just throw all the shoes in there and then scrub them a little bit maybe spot treat a little bit spraying directly on there and then like your shoes are white and it's like how did shoes that were literally dirty and covered in mud turn bright white and brand new was something that's natural like it's it's wild to me um but that's my little rant <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Simpler. Like, yeah, we don't need a million things. I, when you were saying that, like what, even like going in target and like walking down the aisle of like laundry detergent oh. or soap or whatever. And it's like, I'm like, nightmare. Smell. yeah, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And that was actually something else I heard from, I brought Kelly Love, one of the founders of Branch Basics on my podcast. And I can't remember if it was her, or if I saw it on their Instagram Maybe it was Mary Lee, one of the other founders, but talking about how, yeah, you're in the aisle and all of the things are hermetically sealed. Well, that's me exaggerating. They're sealed. Like you, you shake it and nothing dumps out. But for some reason, they're still getting into the air. So it's like, what's going on if they're sealed and they're technically, you know, nothing's being expelled from them, but you can get this big waft. And I walk down the aisle and I literally get like an instant headache. I feel sick. I feel like I can't focus. I feel like I start coughing. It's like very dramatic, but what is interesting and now I'm going on a little tangent. What's interesting is that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you're sensitive. You're sensitive to chemicals. And it's like, no, it's actually the less toxic you are, the more you react in a way because it's your body's um, protection mechanism. It's the way we're meant to function. We're meant to be, you know, alert when there is some type of chemical or exposure. And we're supposed to have a reaction where it's like, ah, danger, stay away. This smells, I can't breathe. I need to, I need to remove myself from that aisle or that situation. But when you're using it all day long, just as if you're eating junk food, like people that are eating crap food all the time, they, they might not be sensitive to it because your body is just like, so numb to it all. You know what I mean? So I like to use like the canary in a coal mine metaphor. Oh, absolutely. I think, (laughs) no, I agree. I think that people sadly, um, like it's, I think we talked about this with alcohol, even like, I was like, sure, I could have a glass of wine, but it makes me feel so, I feel so, I hate the way I feel right with it. It's like, it's not that I'm more sensitive. It's just that my, like, this is how your body's made to function without it. And then when you introduce poison, it has that reaction. Like it should react, like it should make you feel not well. And so when I think it's sadly, and just, it's a big part of our culture that things like being chronically tired, over-caffeinated, you know, having alcohol, eating processed foods, eating things that your body like should normally, it should give you a headache to have a lot of, you know, things that are just unnatural or not, you know, like 
that, um, but that's just become normalized. Like people are just used to feeling like that's their baseline is just like, Oh, I just never really feel good. But to them, they don't know the difference. Cause like, this is just how I always feel. I'm always, I'm always tired. I'm always have a headache. I always, you know, I'm foggy. It's like, that's actually not. So I think, yeah, to your point, it's like, yes, I, I, it's, I am more sensitive comparatively, but this is just actually how the body should function and, and learning to listen to your body with that. And, and I think because people are so used to just like, oh, this is normal, or they just kind of ignore it and accept it. And it's like, right, that's, it's not normal. Mm. Yeah. Well said. This is always fun to chat with you. I'm like thinking about all the other topics and things and yeah, we're very aligned, but in closing, what are some resources you can share? with the audience. It can be anything. Um, well, I did already plug the brain health project. So I think that's, that's really that. We'll make sure that's linked. Um, that's a cool resource and we are, we're gearing up, we're turning it into a mobile app actually that will launch next year. So right now it's, it's just, um, it's mobile friendly. So you can do it on your phone too, but it will be, I think way better. So that's something I'm really excited about. Um, Gosh, I don't know other resources. I'm trying to think of the things I love. I have your podcast. <laughs> yeah, my well, podcast is soon. coming. <laughs> I've recorded a couple episodes, so I just want to have a couple more before I launch it. Um, but yes, it's called Better Brain. And I'm just going to be sharing just snippets of things that I'm learning that week, but always with the goal of it being um, pretty short and concise. So I'm trying to keep them between five and 10 minutes um, and just kind of sharing like, here's something I learned, here's how I apply it in my own life or just different health hacks and tips, things that I do, um, just sharing those with people. So yeah, that's my goal. That's going to be awesome. (laughs) I'm hoping to launch in honestly, well, I'm not going to, soon. (laughs) (laughs) Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it on your website though. A little yeah, there's a, there's teaser. a little trailer, mm-hmm. a little teaser up. Um, so it is coming, and I'm I couldn't be. It's like, it's like my little passion project that I'm like have just been. Again, talk about focus and prioritization. So <laughs> it's like the thing that, um, it, and because it's new, so and I'm sure you know, like it's like there's that learning curve of yeah, just taking the time to like, like it actually takes way longer. I feel like to record five minutes than it does like, um, a longer one, because I'm like trying to make it so concise and only share what you really need to know to just keep it like simple. And so mm. it's like, I recorded, it turned out, it was literally like a six minute podcast. And it like, it took me a couple hours. Cause I was like editing it and like, and I want to make sure everything's accurate. And yep. anyway, so, um, Oh yeah. That's yeah. part of the process. Well, these are good resources. I'm that brain health project sounds like a whole world of opportunity in itself. And then just, yeah, when your podcast comes out, I'll be sure to share about it on my Instagram. And yeah, if there's anything final, final thoughts, let me know. Otherwise it's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation.